Can you spot all the differences? Those are some of the ads that I see that appear on my computer while I'm Googling or looking through different things. And one of the ads that continues to say is they want me to purchase this app, which will enhance my mind. In fact, they even say for those of you who are over 50, the neuroscience want, neuroscientists, they want you to play this app because what it does is it requires you to visually pick out the differences that exist on the screen in front of you. Now, some of those differences are just startling. I mean, they're just boom, right there out in front of you. You can see them. But then there's other differences that you've really got to pay attention to. They're very slight. They, they hide them very well. Well, the reality is, as human beings, we are aware of the differences all around us. Some of them are just Purely, purely blatant. They're right out there in front of us, and we can see them. But other differences are very subtle. And sometimes they pass us by without us even consciously being aware of them. Well, this morning here on Monodia, I became aware of a difference. And that difference is in my co-host. Because over the weekend, my co-host, Janelle, had a birthday. Don't go there. And she... <laughs> is, well, basically halfway through her life. So happy birthday, Janelle. That's right. I'm 50. 50. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I, when I walked in this morning, it's like, there, there's a difference about Janelle. I know it. Yeah. Overnight. Yeah. It was just sensational. I'm more comfortable in my skin today than I was a week ago. So look out. Yeah, but the reality is that even your skin is changing. As we age, our skin changes. <laughs> Everything about us changes. Be careful what you say. Everything about us changes as we get older. Yeah. And everything's different. But you're still bald. Yeah, that's true. That, that has not changed. <laughs> so are you, are, are you comfortable with differences? Do they, do they bother you? Or are there are times when it's like, uh, that's it, beyond my comfort zone. I think I'm more curious when I see something different okay. than I am scared of it. I don't know. It depends on what you're talking about. So if you went to one of these rave concerts, yeah, would that make you feel uncomfortable? Or you'd be right at home. <laughs> and if you went to a country music concert, would that make you uncomfortable? It depends on who it is. Uh -huh. If it's Darius Rucker, I'm right there. So you really allow a great variety in your life i try to can you think of one area that is that you makes you uncomfortable as far as differences huh i mean you went to china right i did did that bother you all the difference of being in a totally different culture did that bother you well we were immersed yeah right in in the central heart of it all and yeah we stood out like a sore thumb for sure it was it was a feeling, yeah, a little bit of uncomfortable, but we were surrounded by support. Okay. For we went. Let me explain to everybody. We adopted our our daughter from China, so we went over there with about seventeen other American families. Oh, okay. And we <laughs> we'd come off the tour bus, and here's all these seventeen American families with their little Chinese babies. <laughs> And we were surrounded by lots of people that looked different, 
but they really embraced us mm. the whole way. The little Chinese ladies would come up and they'd yank on our, our daughter's uh, pant legs because it was so cold there. And they wanted uh, to make sure that we understood that they need to be covered. So even though you were not able to speak their language, mm -hmm. you were able to overcome those differences in yes. the nonverbal communications. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Absolutely. Well, that, today, that's what we're going to be looking at, is how differences either can disrupt our lives or how they can enhance our lives. And we'll be right back to talk about that. By nature, I'm an introvert. So that means when I am in crowds of large people, it tends to drain my energy rather than feed my energy. I'm one of those who has more of a challenge of just kind of glad-handing, going around and having small talk. Instead, I would rather find someone and, and sit down and, and visit with them one-on-one -on -one or in a small group. But what's amazing, what I'm finding out is that when I'm in a small group, one of the factors that can make it even more difficult for me is when I look around and I see people that are different than I am. And that could be anywhere from the way they look, the way they act, the way they talk, the way they dress, their mannerisms. There's so many different areas in which that impacts me. And during that time when I'm kind of taking in the whole room, I evaluate and find out, and I think you do too, and if you're honest, there are certain people you look and go, I'd like to talk to them. I'd like to get to know them. And there's others that they're so, the, the differences are so stark that you think, I'm not sure if they're the person I should be visiting with. The problem is, is that it's okay for us to have these differences. But here's the problem, is when we feel pressure within ourselves to make other people conform so that we can be comfortable. We like people that are like us because that's just our comfort level. But when, the problem is, is when we actually try to get people to behave like us, to look like us, to act like us, that's when problems arise. Well, back in 1966, Bill Nelson, a pastor, he preached a, a sermon entitled The Race for Space. This was during the time when there was a big movement to try to get and beyond our earth. It was also another time that was going on, and that was the civil rights from 1954 to 1968. And so he took this title, this race for space, and then he flipped it around and asked the question, is there space for race? But rather than just limiting the topic to racial differences, he said that there are a wide variety of differences that exist within the human experience. He went on to point out that some of these were not only racial, but they were cultural differences, developmental differences, those individuals who have different abilities and therefore require different ways in which they are raised. There are gender differences, economic differences. The list goes on and on. And his question again and again was, is there room for these differences? Or 
will we retreat to our corners and get ready to battle? Well, the reality is our inhibit, our abish, I missed the word. Our fear of differences, I believe, is a part of being a human being. If you think back in evolution, there was a time where the only way really that you would be able to survive effectively is being aware of differences. You had to immediately be able to ascertain if this new either individual or other type of creature that you came in contact with, if they themselves were a threat to your well-being or those within your group. And so our minds were created in a way and evolved in such a way that we would be able to see these differences and go, yep, that's a threat, that one's okay, or I better wait and find out. So this has been a part of humanity for ages. Bill Nelson in his sermon, he went on and he told a story that appears in the ancient writing, the Gospels, uh, the New Testament. And in particular, it appears in the book of Acts. It's a story about the early memories of the Christian church. Now, to begin with, the early followers of Jesus were all Jewish. And they practiced their rituals, practices, their rites, all these different things. They continued on, but there was a different emphasis, and that was the difference that Jesus had made. And so they were quite comfortable with that. Until one day, Peter receives a knock at the door, and there are some non-Jews standing there. And they ask him, they say, our master has heard about this Jesus and would like to learn more about him. Well, that leaves Peter perplexed. Because as a good Jew, they had nothing to do whatsoever with Gentiles. They were the pagans. So now on top of that, here is Peter trying to be not only a Jew, but a good Christian, and he meets someone by the name of Cornelius, who is a Gentile, and by the way, is interested in becoming a Christian. And so Peter ponders this. How could someone so different than them actually become one of them as a Christian? That night, Peter goes to sleep, and I'm not sure what he ate because he had a really bad dream. And in that dream, he envisioned this large blanket being brought down from the heavens. And inside of it, there are a wide variety of animals. Now, these animals were ones that a good Jew would not eat because they were following the Levitical law where it talks about the clean and the unclean meats. Well, inside of this sheet or this blanket are all of these unclean animals. And in the dream, Peter hears the word, get up and eat. And everything within Peter says, no, this is a difference. This is a different way of looking at the dietary laws. And that's his first reaction. But the voice says again, eat. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And then Peter begins to realize that this is far more than just about diet. That it ties back into his perception of seeing other human beings that were different than him as being unclean, commoners. And the dream says to him, nah, you can't do that. You can't go there. 
So the next morning, Peter wakes up, and begrudgingly, but yet motivated by this dream, he decides to go to Cornelius' house. When he arrives at Cornelius' house, the first thing he does is Cornelius bows down to him. And then Peter seems to have learned the lesson from that dream because his reaction is the following. He tells Cornelius, stand up. I, too, am a man. You hear that? I, too, am a man. We are alike. There was something that took place within Peter. There was either a mental or emotional shift that took place within him, and all of a sudden he realized that Christianity wasn't just for Jews. It was for all people. Now, Peter is going to continue to wrestle with that. I can't tell you that just from that moment on, Peter was open to all the differences and open to welcoming all people into the Christian church. Peter's going to struggle with it over a period of time, but eventually that's the direction the church will go. What's phenomenal about reading this sermon back in 1966 when we were coming to the end of the civil rights era and there was continuing to be disruptions around our differences when it comes to race, that when Bill Nelson preached this sermon back in 1966, he continued to repeat in that sermon those two phrases, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And the second one, stand up. I, too, am a man. Over and over, Nelson emphasized in this sermon that with our differences, we are still equal as human beings. That's powerful. In a world where we are hesitant to find a commonality among us, especially right now, as polarized as we continue to be, not only in our ways that we choose to live our lives, but the ideologies that guide our lives. One of the things I found interesting in Nelson's sermons, he, he points out that in his opinion, that it wasn't just mere chance that brought Peter and Cornelius together, but he believed in some way it was a divine intervention. And in, so, in some ways, that intervention needs to continue. Nelson mentions that it needs to have changes that take place within our government and within our churches and within individuals. But if there was one weakness in the sermon that I saw, Nelson doesn't give us any practical ways in which we can overcome these differences, where instead of being afraid of them, we would actually value them. So I'm going to add on three different ideas that I think that we could take, steps we could take personally that might enable us to appreciate the differences rather than walk away from them. Here they are. Number one, be aware of your fears. When you're in a different situation, when you're around different people, if you're in a different environment, whatever that is, check into your emotions. Really look in and say, if I... Am I afraid of something? Is there a sense of fear? And be able to explore that. You don't even have to ask why, but rather just simply sit with that emotion, recognizing your fear. Why? Because if you can do that, then the insecurities that you're feeling inside, they won't turn into judgment of that other person that is different than you. 
you'll recognize that the problem is not their differences. The problem is the emotion that you're feeling. And so rather than acting and responding to that quickly, just sit with it. Be aware of it. Don't be critical. Don't judge yourself because of it. But just be aware of it. And that alone makes a huge difference in the way that you choose to react to that emotion. So not only be aware of the fear that you feel, but also, secondly, create a sense of curiosity. You know what? It never ceases to amaze me how often we make assumptions about other people. If I see someone with really long hair, male or female, there are certain assumptions I make. If I see someone without a hair, there are certain assumptions I make. There are so many different ways that if someone is tattooed, or if someone has their ears pierced, or their nose pierced, or something else pierced, it's so, just so simple of things like that. We can make certain assumptions about that person. But instead of making those assumptions, what if we just were curious? If people behaved in way or chose a different lifestyle than we do, what happens instead of just being critical of them, instead we would be curious of them? And then finally, number three, acceptance. Do you remember what it feels like to truly be accepted? To be accepted fully for who you are. It doesn't happen a lot, if we're really honest. We're all walking around sometimes trying to impress other people. But when you know that you're in an environment where that you are fully accepted for who you are, that can be one of the most freeing experiences that you can have in life. So if you are aware of what it feels like, Imagine how other people feel when they get a sense of acceptance from you. That's powerful. After the Second World War, Jan Masaryk, who was a distinguished patriot from Czech Czechoslovakia, he came to America. And as he was filling out his immigration papers, he came to a line that said, race. Jan thought about it for a little while, and then he wrote down, human. Well, there was a lot of discussion and arguments that took place over that, trying to convince him to choose a particular race to identify as. He wouldn't budge. I'm a human, he said. They allowed that entry to stay on his paperwork. And to this day, you can actually see that document. You see, Jan was able to see beyond our differences and realize that we are all human beings. If we can do that, I guarantee you that if you can value and appreciate the differences that exist around you, your life will be enhanced. It will be enriched, and you will grow as a human being. So if you don't believe me, try it. The next time you find yourself wanting to be judgmental or critical of those that are different than you, pause. Identify your fear. 
and instead be curious, and then eventually you will find the ability to accept others. We'll be right back. entertained this entire time yeah that one minute of music yeah just kind of just yeah. so i really really like what you had to say about sitting with our fear and um being aware of our differences and i got to thinking about that question you asked me earlier okay. about um what i thought about or did i feel uncomfortable when i had differences come up yes and I'm thinking way back to that game where you spot the differences. Mm -hmm. That was fun Wh for me. Why? When I was a kid, that was a challenge, and it was fun to be able to find the different things. So if we're making it fun to find the differences, maybe that's where we could also start, too. Uh, that could come across as, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but in some ways that could be... I don't know if it's that easy. I don't know if it's easy that easy to to see our differences as fun, especially if initially we see them as being threats. So, for example, just look at look at the differences that exist as far as vac vaccine. Mm -hmm. Those that choose to get vaccinated, those who don't choose to be vaccinated, those differences aren't a lot of fun for people. I mean, people are getting in fights. People are getting upset with each other. Oh, that's true. So, okay. so just to say, well, let's have fun with the differences. I don't know if it works because, first of all, I think you're right. Maybe not so much fun as the curiosity. Yes. I think but, that can be. But if the threat is so big, it's even hard to get curious. True. I mean, if, I, if you're around a group of people that, let's say you're in a setting where... The, the, if you're vaccinated, then the majority of people are unvaccinated or flip it and go the other way. Yeah. You can feel really out of place and you can actually feel threatened by them. And what happens, what tends mm -hmm. to happen is when we're around people that are different from us and they're speaking about ideologies that are different than us, mm -hmm. we have a tendency just to shut up and True. don't say anything because we don't want to stand out. Yeah, which goes back to um, evolution and what you were saying about all that. Um, in nature, when when an animal or a species, something's different, like they're born with a birth defect, they're cast out of the the. I'm thinking about monkeys. Yeah, because they're they're seen as being weakening the. the yeah. Yeah. 
So how in the world? That's instinctual then, wouldn't you say? Well, so, but we've done, I mean, think about all the times just in American history, the ways that we have treated people because we saw them as weakening our culture. I mean, it just, True, but we also identify as a nation of immigrants, do we not? Yes, but look what happened over the last six years when it came, comes to immigrants. We, we were told by leaders in our country mm-hmm. that they were the rapist and that they would make us unsafe and they would bring in these drugs and how terrible life would be. And so yeah. instead of seeing these differences, these people coming into our culture as an opportunity to, to grow uh-huh. and to learn and yes. to be enhanced, mm-hmm. they played on our fears. And, and these political leaders understood, True. they understood that that would work. And they could rally around people's fears because of the differences Uh and get their votes. So having just an awareness of that fact right there, that we don't have a climate to support our ideals, right? Well, but what's encouraging is it seems to be that the majority of people are becoming more and more open to the possibilities. Why so, do you say that? Well, one of the things that I had in the in my monologue that I took out right before we started mm-hmm. was that demographers and pundits are mm-hmm. speaking more and more about the reality that within a generation, the United States will become a majority minority nation with non-white people outnumbering white mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And they are using that as fear to continue to, because whites for so long have been in places of power, places of leadership. Mm -hmm. And when that threat of something different, if they can tap into that, they can get the kind of response they want. Because I think what people see is they begin to see that there will be political, cultural, and social upheavals yeah, right, okay. And I think that's what if they play on for, is these differences of what will happen when individuals of a different color of skin, I mean, when you stop and think about that, Janelle, mm-hmm. just the pigment of people's skin. Yeah, I have, a, I have a story. Please. When my daughter, as we mentioned earlier, I ado- we adopted her from China. Correct. So she is not Caucasian, completely different from the way I look. When she was in second grade, I think it was, we went to a field trip, and I had this little African-American child come up to me very innocently, and she looked at me, and she looked at Joy, and she said, you're Joy's mommy? Like, (laughs) how does that work? It doesn't quite compute. So that right there was an opportunity to show our differences. Yes. And that things don't look like black and white like there's neapolitan ice cream yes (laughs) yeah and you know i think janelle one of the challenges that i see around this because i'm going to backtrack a little bit um when it comes to differences Mm -hmm. i i I think about it if you had a a white child adopted by a chinese family okay and was raised in china yeah as much as those parents would be loving and caring for them, mm-hmm. I wonder if they would still feel somewhat, 
out of place. The child? Yeah. Because they're not around people that look like them. I can say from our experience, that is not as big a factor as you might think it is. Tell me more. I think um, for her name is Joy. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even really have much of a curiosity about her origin story and where she came from because we've made her life so loving and, and, and comfortable that she's never been that um, curious, I guess. But do, I wonder if a time will come when she will be. And she'll want, to, she'll want to explore those things. The, the reality is, if, I guess this is just my opinion, I don't think it's wrong. I think right. in some ways, if we eschew, if we look over, or if we try to whitewash all the differences that exist, we're losing out on the richness of life. Oh, for so, sure. So I think we have to value those differences and maintain those differences mm -hmm. rather than trying to get everyone to be the same. And I think that's the tendency is to try to get everyone to be alike. So yes. there's this fine line between trying to get everyone to conform versus on the other side, you have this line where you have these entrenchments and we're not even speaking to each other because of our differences. Mm -hmm. So maybe it would help to have an awareness of this. Okay. Psychologically, the way that we organize data or knowledge is we either do it um, through assimilation or accommodation. Assimilating is when we are adapting new information to fit our previous structures. So like when a toddler says, you know, sees a dog, and right. then somebody shows that toddler a horse, and the toddler says dog. You know, they're, they're basing, they're organizing their information around that. Right. If you're accommodating, your old ideas are changed and then replaced based on new information. Yeah, and, and I don't know the answer. I don't know that balance because... It is. It's about having a balance of both. Right. And I'm saying if we had an awareness of that, did, did you know that you organized data like that in your head? Uh, no. Well, there you go. See, it helps uh, to know that... How our mind works. How our mind works. I, that's a really good point, Janelle. I, I think that's really solid in the sense of if we understand why we naturally have these reactions to things mm -hmm. that make us uncomfortable or that, that are different than what we would normally be in our comfort zone. Yeah. Being aware of why I'm responding in this way. That is easier to sit with it then. Yeah, I think, the, I think. and I think it's easy for us to allow our emotions because that's really what, I think the majority of us, mm -hmm. all of us, we're emotional creatures. Um, studies, Some more than others. Su studies have shown again and again <laughs> yes. that the majority of choices we make uh -huh. are subconscious choices, and then we come up with conscious reasons for them. But we are driven by something that is far deeper, and then we justify or excuse our behavior based mm -hmm. upon our reason. But the real reason we're doing that, and here's, here was a perfect test of this. So they did a test. They took these women mm -hmm. and they put out on a rack all these different lingeries that they could purchase. <laughs> okay. I know. I didn't make, I'm not making this up. <laughs> and the women came in one by one uh -huh. and they picked their favorite lingerie. Okay. 
Then they took these same women and they brought in a new types of lingerie. Uh-huh. Same styles, but different colors. Uh-huh. Women at that point picked out a different style of lingerie. And the one thing that was constant, they were always picking from the right side of the clothes rack. What? Yes. Why? And they would ask him, why did you choose that one first and uh-huh. then the, this one second? And they would come up with a reason. But the reality was they were all choosing from the right-hand side of the clothes rack. They didn't recognize it. And there was no reason for it. Oh, come on. I want to have a reason. There, I'm waiting for the reason. That's the problem is because <laughs> we, we feel something when it comes to like differences that exist uh-huh. and how that makes us feel inside. We tend to try to have a reason for it. And a lot of times the reason we act based on these emotions uh-huh. and then we tend to justify them. Right. Instead, if we could just sit with those emotions and be aware of them, then perhaps we won't be as quick to act on them and do more of this quick response rather than just being able to sit and then be aware of them and then bring reason into play. Yeah. That I think could make a difference when it comes to these differences that exist. Hmm. I mean, have you ever been in it where you were in China, but I've been in environments where uh, everyone was speaking a different language than I was. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often to me because I'm in America and I speak English. Yeah. But it is a very awkward feeling when you're in a group mm-hmm. of people and you can't communicate with them. Yeah, I immediately start relying on um, body language. Which, again, you can completely misread. Because yes, it, especially in a different culture. Yes. Yeah, I And agree. those differences can make us mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I remember quite a few decades ago, there was this big movement of trying to get everyone, all immigrants coming into America, mm-hmm. were forced to learn how to speak English. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this before on A Closer Look, where they right. took these um, indigenous people and forced them to no longer speak their original language and right. instead speak only English. I, so are we really, is it about assimilating to the collective or recognizing that that would be easier for them if they did know our language? I think it's both. Can't we have both? Yeah, we can. We should. Yeah. And why aren't we learning? I mean, I'm just being very honest with you. I mean, there's there's a part of me that I think at times is is quite lazy when it comes to learning other languages. Mm-hmm. For why, sure. Because English tends to be the dominant language, so why should I learn a different language? Yeah, and it's it, well, it's hard even if you want to. I've aspired to try that, but when you're not surrounded by people that speak it, you can't practice it. Yes, and if but we're choosing in some ways not to be surrounded by it, which means I stay yeah. within my comfort zone rather than expanding my comfort zone. And being around, for example, mm-hmm. if I wanted to learn Spanish, 
uh, speaking it, I would need to be around those who would be able to understand. And, and we and live in a part of the United States. That might where be that's easy. very prevalent. And we can listen to radio in Spanish. Mm -hmm. We can listen to watch TV, yes. uh, Spanish programming. So that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, I, I live uh, downtown Phoenix in an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. And one of the ladies that takes care of the building uh, speaks fluent Spanish and I've been trying to get her to help me learn some words and how's that going I, I only went so far and then it was like I can't keep I couldn't remember the words and it was getting frustrating so I quit <laughs> okay. I, I think that's the thing is is that there's this fine line between living with the differences mm -hmm. and appreciating them and yet being willing to move beyond one's comfort zones at times, which is really hard. And suppressing our need to, to be tribal and... Right. And I think that's... <laughs> I go back to this story of the early church. Yeah. About how much they had to change just in their ideas and their beliefs. It was radical. Yeah, they grew up right. with Jewish rituals or U Jewish mm -hmm. understandings. Mm -hmm. And then they come along and the life of Jesus impacts them in such a way that all of a sudden they begin to think about, uh-oh, what do we do about <laughs> circumcision? Yeah. Is that required for any new converts or do we mm -hmm. let that one go? What about dietary? That was going to say the food alone right there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a that's a need. <laughs> that's a food, shelter, whatever. Right, because being Jewish mm -hmm. in, when I read the Bible, it seems to come across as a way of life. It's a culture. Yeah. Right. And then to have that shift, that's why a lot of people that remain Jewish and saw others mm -hmm. that were Jewish that were becoming Christians and were dropping some of these practices, it made them very uncomfortable and there became a divide. Yeah. And unfortunately for many of the Christians mm -hmm. at that time, they became anti-Semitic and they began to speak out against their roots hmm. because they wanted to make a distinction and highlight the differences between their mm. past yeah. and what they saw to be their present. So to change, <clears throat> get better, we have to go through that. I, I, I'm going to go back to what you were saying, assimilation, accommodation, somewhere there's a, a mm -hmm. balance between there. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, I, I, I'm going to get in trouble for this probably, but... I was talking to an individual the other day. They listened to one of the podcasts between the lines that I did, and they said, you know, it was really odd to hear you speak on as a white male speaking about abortion. Hmm. What was odd about that? Because I I'm mean, a male. What right do I have to speak about a woman's rights and a woman's issue as a white male? So, yeah, so they were taking that right. issue with you. Okay. Yeah. What was your response? <laughs> My first response was like, you're dogging me because I'm just white and I'm a male and uh -huh. I have no control of that. Right. And then all of a sudden I realized that because I have been raised in a society where being white and being male and I'm a little bit taller than average, mm -hmm. that gives me certain advantages that I'm not even aware of. And there's a difference then between 
myself and others, and I can't even see the differences. And I yeah. think that's one of the problems that we see in our society is that we become so comfortable in our skin, in our culture, in yeah. our ways of doing things that when someone, we don't even see the differences. It goes back to, you know, those apps where you're supposed to find the differences. Well, mm -hmm. if you, some people just can't see them. And maybe that's part of the problem is that we're not able to even see the differences. And when we do see them, they scare us. Right. Should we even be pointing them out? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should Why? see the differences because then we could value them. Instead of ignoring them, overlooking them, yeah. we could be aware of them and go, and then be curious about them. That's the hope. Yeah, I would agree. So for example, if I see a, the other night I was out and I saw a, a young woman who, was dressed in a way that was different than what I would normally expect. Mm -hmm. I found myself fascinated by it. Yeah. Actually went up to her and just started a conversation. <laughs> but that was great. <laughs> and what did she say? And I told her, I said, I, you know, I, I really like the, what you're wearing. I think it's really neat. What? <laughs> and she elaborated. And I learned uh -huh. something about her, something I didn't know. And it was, Great. it's intriguing to me. Yeah. And I think that's what maybe this text and this story in the New Testament is, is trying to teach us, is that we have to find the courage to break out from our differences. Yeah. Be curious about them. Curious is but, the big thing. But not have to make everyone meld into the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hopefully this podcast is giving you something to think about. And as you go through the rest of your day or the rest of the week, maybe you will be able to spot some of the differences. Maybe you'll find a sense of curiosity within yourself that you'll be able to overcome that initial fear of those that are different than you and actually value and appreciate and enrich your life by seeing those differences. I hope you will have the opportunity to practice that. Enjoy your day, enjoy your week, and stay safe out there. <laughs>